Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market. And by PolicyPack Software where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, mitigate ransomware, and more. If you enjoy the podcast each week, you have them to thank. And now for some news. This week, The Verge has reported on a pretty major Windows vulnerability. The vulnerability in question is with the Adobe Type Manager library, which helps Windows render fonts. According to a statement from Microsoft, there are multiple ways an attacker could exploit the vulnerability, such as convincing a user to open a specially crafted document or viewing it in the Windows preview pane. So even opening in the default preview pane could lead to a serious attack. The vulnerability, as you might expect, has a severity level of critical, which is the highest rating possible. As of this recording, there is no patch. It's said the threat is low on Windows 10, but greater on Windows 7. This along with another zero day that is being reported on are said to get patched with the April 14th Windows updates. And on the topic of Windows updates or patches, from May, Microsoft will only be releasing security updates for the operating systems as it puts all optional updates on pause. This is in an effort to help reduce risk and workload during these trying times with the COVID-19 pandemic. It has also been announced that Google have abandoned development of Chrome version 82 and are instead going to focus development efforts on Chrome 83 due to the pandemic. So this certainly is having quite a drastic impact on software development and enterprise IT as a whole and every industry and just life on earth as we know it. Naked Security are reporting that nation state actors have been targeting the World Health Organization. According to the article I read, sources have reported that the attack likely came from Dark Hotel, a group that according to MITRE has been active since at least 2004. The group, believed to be based in Southeast Asia, got its name by targeting high-value individuals as they traveled around the world by tracking their hotel bookings via compromised hotel web apps, thus the name Dark Hotel. And obviously this is very topical right now, considering whose central and leading position is part of the COVID-19 response. And Microsoft also issued warnings this week of phishing attacks that are being launched via email campaigns using the COVID-19 pandemic to to try and draw clicks. I mean, it seems pretty despicable to try and leverage people's anxiety and concerns around this pandemic. But that's exactly what people are doing. So it's unfortunate. I guess the saying is, never let a good crisis go to waste. But still, it's pretty pretty lousy. In some more cheerful news, Citrix launched version 2003 or 2003 
of Citrix virtual apps and desktops. It brings with it multiple enhancements, including enhanced browser content redirection routing using new proxy configuration options. So Citrix have added some other configuration options for the proxy settings on the VDA. You could choose from the options direct or transparent, which routes browser content redirection traffic through the VDA and forwards it directly to the web server hosting the content, or an explicit proxy, which routes browser content redirection traffic through the VDA and forwards it to the specified web proxy, or pack files, which routes browser content redirection traffic through the VDA and forwards it to the web proxy determined by evaluating the specified pack file. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before when the web content redirection, specifically at the time around Flash content, was rolled out, but at the time I said it's pretty significant, in my opinion, especially as more vendors move towards SaaS-based applications that you'd be able to run them in published sessions but have the user's client render and use their resources. This version also brings enhanced support for Electron-based apps in multi-session OS, including apps like Microsoft Teams and Slack. The Wait for Printers to be Created feature is now available in Citrix Virtual Apps. And interestingly, for now, it's just for evaluation only, but there's an ability to drag and drop files between a Citrix session and a local endpoint. So this is something that you get with like Cameo, WeFrame, uh, VMware Workstation, where you're able to just drag and drop files into your session from your desktop. It's really, really useful, but it's also one that I'm sure organizations are going to keep locked down in a lot of different verticals like healthcare, for example. Both my buddies Trent Tai and Joe Shank pointed out on Twitter this week that with this Citrix virtual apps and desktops release, it appears it's rolling forward with Citrix Storefront version 19.12, despite the fact this is version 20.03. I wonder if this is a tell of what Citrix plans to do going forward with Storefront. Maybe they're thinking of pivoting and going a different direction with it. Personally, I'd like to see something a little bit more feature-rich, a little more modern than what Storefront provides. Possibly something like the Citrix Workspace app, which I feel just even from a UI standpoint is a lot slicker looking. And if some of those features can be rolled into it for an on-prem solution, that'd be pretty cool too. Also announced just a few days ago from Citrix Workspace app version 20.02, they'll provide the ability to redirect USB devices when using the HTML5 version of the app. On last week's episode of the podcast, during the scripts, tricks, and tips segment, I talked about the release of an exciting new tool that's completely free, by the way, called Wake on Land Mesh from Andrew Morgan. Well, Andrew's also been working on it again this week and has already released version 1.1 with lots of cool changes. As he says, it's just the ticket for power managing those pesky physical machines for remoting during this work-from-home fiasco. I think in a subsequent tweet, he also pointed out specifically to that 
Citrix remote PC type of use case, which in my current organization, we didn't go with remote PC as the first option, even though I suggested that we did. I'm not salty about it or anything. But even so, we still have a significant number of people who have access to their physical machines through remote PC. And the use case actually did come up this week that somebody IM'd me saying that they weren't able to get into their desktop and it was powered off. Unfortunately, I didn't have this tool set up yet, so it meant getting one of the field techs to go actually powered on. And finally, another product or tool that I covered on a previous episode, Scripts, Tricks, and Tips, TM Edit, has just had a new release, version 1.14.00. This release does not bring with it any new features. It's just a maintenance fix for unpublished package script issue that was found by AppV and packaging legend Danga. And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. If you'd like to quickly and easily get the current total working set in physical memory of all processes from a certain vendor, Guy Leach shared a really handy one-liner PowerShell commandlet to do just that. And I'll share that with this episode of the podcast, which is episode 117. You'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. This week, the great Rachel Berry shared a pretty comprehensive list on brianmadden.com of EUC resources and also some stories around the coronavirus, how it's affecting enterprise IT, end-user computing, and more. The list of resources is pretty handy. There was this sudden surge from pretty much all major vendors, I think I covered in the last two weeks, who were giving extended trials of their products, like Zoom, for example. But also not just these collaboration tools. There's also some remote access types of tools and different things that have come in useful for handling the work from home surge. Well, so this week I saw that some security vendors were also starting to give extended trials of their products too. So for a pretty full and comprehensive list of what you can get an extended trial of, check out brianmadden.com and I'll share the specific link to that article with this episode too. Several months ago, I covered an article that was shared by my buddy Dave Brett on some of his best practices in end-user computing environments for tackling the threat of lateral movement within your environment. Well, this week, Cyber Raju on Twitter tweeted that remote procedure calls are extremely common for lateral movement. If you're looking into hardening and have no need for it, he suggests that there's a setting that could be disabled via the registry. And this is a Disable Remote SCM Endpoints D-Word Registry Entry. Also interesting from a security standpoint, it was pointed out this week that Sophos have now started to flag the PSExec process as malware. I think that irked some people, but I agree with Guy Leach, who I saw was saying, well, yeah, I mean, it can be used and leveraged for executing in the system context and running some pretty nasty malicious code. So it kind of does make sense to flag it, even if it is 
the darling of some IT workers who work in enterprise. Could be their attempt to try and save people from themselves, which seems to be a pretty common theme in the geopolitical world right now. And finally, to promote some of my own work, which I try not to do too often on the podcast, I happened to blog this week too on the COVID-19, which I know I think I said it like the last couple weeks on the podcast that we all are kind of getting sick of hearing about it. But since it's consuming so much of not just my work life, but my personal life and actually the fact just my work life to deal with this work from home surge and the fact that I'm working in healthcare IT just means that my work life is bleeding even more into my personal life that I had this idea that this is going to be such a significant moment in probably the history of the world and also in my career and just in my own personal life that I would write down my thoughts on how it's impacting enterprise IT, end user computing, and just kind of my own work life in general and just blog that out there. And I think I said at the top of the blog, really care that much if it doesn't get too many views, but it's kind of like a cathartic practice for me to put it out there. And also it's kind of like a diary entry that I can go back to and look at in a few years when hopefully this all blows over. I guess speaking of this all blowing over, I did notice too that E2EVC announced that if anybody would like to exchange their ticket for the E2E event in Madrid for one of the later conferences in, I think it was Hamburg. I think it was Hamburg. I might be wrong on that. Um, Hamburg and Athens, I believe. I think Athens is in 2021. That's one. That one's pretty interesting to me, so I might exchange Madrid for Athens. But being the cool conference that they are, there's no questions asked, no reason to be given. If you don't feel like it's a good idea for you to go, if you just want the peace of mind to have the decision made to switch to a later conference and not have to worry about it again, you could just let them know and they'll exchange it for one of the other conferences and that's it for another episode i think this one is going to be a little bit shorter once i edit it all than the last few weeks and like i said last week i feel like the episodes are probably going to be shorter for the next few weeks because you know microsoft for example are pulling optional windows updates google are slowing the development of google chrome I think a lot of enterprise vendors are going to be doing the same thing. Conference announcements might be held back, but it's okay. Most of my stories this week were actually community developments like that from Andrew Morgan, from Tim Mangan. The scripts, tricks, and tips never dry up. So many of us are still working, and so many are still outputting this high-value content, so I'll keep the podcast going, and I'll keep sharing it. Thank you all so much for listening, and stay safe.